Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we offer resources to equip you and stories to inspire you on your adoption journey. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. We often have opportunities to be guests on other podcasts, and we've had some great conversations. We would hate for you to miss them. Because we're taking the month of July off from recording new episodes, we thought it would be the perfect time to share some of those interviews with you right here on our podcast. This is one of our favorites. We hope you enjoy it. I'm Chris Turner, and this is the Empowered Parent Podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. Joining me, as always, are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Christopher. We have a guest with us this evening, Lisa Qualls, the author of the new book coming out, uh, well, next week as we're recording, The Connected Parent, which she co-wrote with the late Dr. Karen Purvis. Hi, Lisa. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, Lisa. We're so glad you're with us. I'm glad to be here. It's wonderful. So Lisa is the mom of 12 kids by both birth and adoption and sometimes more through foster care. And she uses her training as a TBRI practitioner and as a certified Enneagram coach to mentor and coach adoptive and foster moms in her membership community, the Hope Circle. And that's so they can renew their hope, gain courage and become the moms they're meant to be. She's also a speaker and the co-host of her own podcast, The Adoption Connection. Yeah. Did we miss anything? Or is, I or think is you that... got it. I All think right. you got it. <laughs> oh, that's you, so You're awesome. busy, in other words. That, that, that's what I get out of reading that is yes. Lisa's busy. I am busy. Yes. yes. Uh, okay, so tell us what are the what's the age range of your kids right now? Because your kids are mostly older now. Yeah, yeah. They, I have a 20-year span. So my oldest daughter's 33. And my wow. youngest son is 13. Okay. Yeah. So you still got teenagers in the house. I have next year, I'll have an eighth grader and a ninth grader at home. And then our, we had a daughter who just graduated from high school a couple weeks ago. Wow. So uh, yeah. I so it's I really, that. Oh. yeah. Yeah. COVID That's, graduation. COVID graduations were a little different this year. Yes. Yes. It was a little, uh, a little strange. Mm-hmm. Speaking, speaking of COVID graduations, uh, you know, the Texas Rangers just built a brand new uh, stadium <laughs> here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yes. They and did. because the major league baseball season got delayed opening, they've got this nice shiny new facility and nothing mm-hmm. to do with it. So they, they got the brilliant idea. They would partner with, local school districts to hold graduation ceremonies there because it's really oh, easy to social distance. Yes. Yeah. And, and so uh, a friend of mine who, who Ryan knows texted me uh, a funny little photo from a few days ago that somebody had captioned. Um, they don't know it yet, but the Rangers have built the, the grandest graduation ceremony <laughs> venue in the country. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Well, I mean, you kind of got to feel a little bit bad for the Rangers because they, you know, they've had a new ballpark built and I think, you know, three and an extra 200 million bucks for a retractable roof yeah. so that they could shut it. Because, I mean, go yeah, to a baseball it gets game, hot. it gets 110 down here in August, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, and so they wanted to, well, one of the, one of the things that Major League Baseball is requiring teams to, to play this year is that they cannot shut the stadium roof. 
<laughs> and so, and so they dropped the next year, I don't know, $200 million or whatever for the feature that was supposed to make it super fancy and they can't even use it. Yeah. This is, yeah. this is a very strange time for sure. Uh, yeah. Kind of a sad and, and time then, to launch a book too, I have to admit. Well, well, a lot of things we hoped would happen can't happen. Well, yes. you know, Lisa, I, I got to be honest with you, and 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 I don't like to do this, and but that's why I'm sitting six feet from Kayla because she can't kick me oh, under the gosh. table. Oh. I'm going to throw something at him, I guess. No, because I was going to say I I I think I because my my perspective is not the perspective of of the of the author. My perspective is the perspective of the consumer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, Kay, Kayla and I have created training and you know video based training and live training and stuff like that. And what what I think is 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 even in the midst of everything bad that's happening, and it's been really bad. I mean, people people dying, millions of people losing their jobs, a, a lot of, a lot of bad things has happened. But I think that that a book like this probably is more needed today than mm-hmm. it was July seventh, twenty nineteen, because we're all more stressed. Things are more are way more way more difficult at home, and, and providing providing a resource. That that is readable. It's not. It's not a. It's not a clinical book. It's a book that moms and dads can consume and apply. Mm-hmm. I think. I, I, and again, I don't have any of your anxiety because I didn't write the book. <laughs> but, 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 but you, you don't care if there's a lunch party. Is that what you're telling me, right? <laughs> no. What I'm saying is that it's yeah. a really, really needed resource. Yes. And yeah. I think that the think you know for such a time as this, it, it, yeah. it's perfect. I do think that's true. And I, I think it is very readable. It's not excessively long. It's there's story woven throughout. And I, I have been hearing from people that they're just devouring it and really loving it. So of course that makes me super happy. Yeah. It's a really easy read. And that's what Mm -hmm. I, that's initially like, so I went to go pick up a to-go order for dinner one night. We, I guess I stopped on the way and I had to go inside the restaurant and they were they were kind of slow and I went inside and I just grabbed it because I had it with me and I just went inside and I just, you know, read a chapter literally while I was sitting there waiting for a to-go order. Mm-hmm. And I just had my pen and I'm, you know, underlining things and stuff. And, and it was, it was just really, it was very readable. Cause I know there's been some books that I loved and I ended up loving that I had to, it, it took me a little bit to get into them. Like I knew I needed to read it, but it took me a little bit, but I didn't find that with this one. I just, I wanted to hear more of your stories and I wanted to hear more of just the, you know, just kind of the back and forth between you and Dr. Purvis and just kind of, you know, she would reference back to some of your stories Mm -hmm. and, you know, you would tell stories of your kids and I love, you know, I just loved hearing some of those, you know, it just was, it was, it was very readable. So Well, I'll tell you, the idea for the book really came to me because when we were struggling so much, I mean, we were really in a hard, we were in a hard place struggling with bringing home three kids at once and then one more a year later. And I just remember literally kneeling in front of my bookcase and pulling, I had already, you know, I had a lot of books and I'd read them and, and I remember pulling them off the shelf and thinking, where can I find help? Where can I find what I need right now? And I also remember thinking as I was reading, these people aren't living my life. They're asking me to do things I don't think I possibly can. I mean, they're wonderful. I'm so thankful for all the experts. We've all gained so much, but they're not living what we're living as parents. And I just thought, what if we could put those together and 
give parents a book that's filled with compassion and understanding for them in addition yeah. to all the knowledge and, and skills. You know, I wanted to give people very simple practical tools. Stuff. Yeah, very yeah. practical. And I wanted to be pretty honest in the book too, you know. You'll see the further you get into it, Kayla. But I yeah, I I wanted I wrote this book because it was what I needed. Yeah, yeah. Looking back, I mean I remember one particularly challenging kiddo that we had and she wasn't with us for very long, just a couple of weeks. And I just remember sitting on the couch and she was kind of raging in the background and destroying things. And I am like pulling kind of that same when you said you're sitting pulling stuff off the bookshelf. I was I was like, there's something here. I know I've learned something yeah. that I'm supposed to use in this moment, but I don't know what it is right now. And right. I, I didn't have quite the right thing that I could just go okay, I can read this one little chapter and it's going to give me some tools and it's going to help me in this moment because it was really, it's those moments where you're just like, I, I don't remember anything I've learned. Right. Cause our, <laughs> cause our prefrontal cortex is offline. We're it's totally we're, we're disengaged. Fighting, at we're that fighting point. to stay yes. regulated, but we're not, yes. we don't have the capacity to do a whole lot of complex thinking when we're under no. that kind of stress. Well, can, for real. Can, can, before we get into, because uh, because uh, look, we didn't warn you, but if you really want to rabbit trail us, let's start talking <laughs> about the brain. Okay, it, sure. it is it is our absolute favorite subject okay. to talk about, and I think our listeners too, because it's one of our most downloaded. When we talk about the brain, those are our most downloaded episodes. Okay, that well, and well, and understanding that, and, and how to will parenting this way prepare my children for the real world? Yes. Um, but but what I wanted to talk about just a little bit here, and Chris, I hope you don't mind me jumping in with this question. And if you were about to ask it, I apologize. <laughs> but what's really intriguing to me about this, um, you know, we we got to know Karen a little bit, mostly at, at near the end of her life, uh, with with our involvement mm-hmm. in, in with Tapestry and with Empower to Connect. Um, and I remember the last time I spoke to her, um, mm-hmm. um, she, uh, you know, I'm six foot five. I think she was maybe. Five foot even in heels. I, I don't remember. People who are a lot shorter than me, I can't really tell, but she was a lot shorter than me. And the last time we spoke, um, I hugged her and said goodbye. Um, and uh, she kissed me on the cheek and she said, you're precious. Mm. And then just put her hand on my face and walked out of the room. And so to me, that's one of the most, like that's a really endearing memory for me mm-hmm. uh, because because I think at that time, um, there was probably some sense that she wasn't going to win win the battle that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't, won't get into details of that, but but certainly I think there was a sense that that that, that she probably wasn't going to going to win uh, mm-hmm. anymore. I mean, I, I think that that I think the day that she discovered she wasn't going to beat cancer was probably when she was standing in front of the Lord and just like oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, she when she was she was feisty to the end, but um. But but one of the things, and, and we talked about this briefly before before we went live, Lisa. I think one of the things that's really um, fascinating to me and beautiful about this book is that is that she was you know she had the the fourth anniversary of her death was in August this in April I'm sorry of this year, and and now this book's coming out next week and it's and and for all of us except for people like you who are involved in this project because this project did start before her passing and so we'd like for you to talk a little bit about the sort of the genesis of the project. Mm-hmm. Some, because I think it's it's very interesting, but but in a lot of ways, um, with this book coming out on Tuesday, it's kind of like you're bringing Karen's voice from beyond the grave, and I, and I don't mean that to sound to sound weird, because we really thought we weren't going to hear from her again, 
And now we have with yeah. your help. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like discovering a letter, you know, that, yeah. that you didn't it was know like, you had. Didn't know it was there. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't read these before. And yeah. 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 It's really special. And you can imagine the incredible both honor and responsibility I felt with this book. Um, But would you like me to go back and tell you a little bit about how it came to be? Yes. Okay. Okay. So as I mentioned, you know, I, I had been thinking, well, let me go back a little bit further, but I'll be careful not to spend too much time. But when, when we brought our children home, so we brought home three children in the spring of 2007 and returned to Ethiopia. They were all from Ethiopia. We returned a year later and brought home one more daughter. And they were joining our family. We already had seven kids. Of course, some of them were grown, but we had a lot of kids at home still. And, um, you know, I think we were feeling prepared and somewhat confident because we'd been parents Mm. for 20 years. And I had a background in mental health and we'd done tons and tons of training But wow, you know, there are some things that I think you just can't really be fully prepared for. The changes that can come when you bring children who've been very traumatized into your family. And so our life very quickly and dramatically changed. And our family was struggling. There was a lot of sadness, a lot of fear. And in the midst of those struggles, we... um, one of my blog readers, I had started blogging at onethinkfulmom.com in 2006. And just, I, I didn't even know what a blog was. One of my teenagers got it started <laughs> for me. And he said, mom, you got to stop sending these group emails. Let's just do a blog. So he got it going. And, um, but one of my blog readers was the one who told me about the connected child and about Karen. Oh. And I remember she sent me a link to some videos from an early tapestry conference. And oh. I remember hearing later that they didn't know if anybody would ever really even see these, but I'm telling you, there were three videos. And when I watched her speak, I was so moved and so oh. encouraged. And I just thought she has hope, you know, she has mm-hmm. hope for my children and for my family And I wanted to learn everything. And so I read The Connected Child. I was blogging about it. And right around that time, Russ and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. I think we might have gone away a little early. But anyhow, it was right around in that time. And we went away. And I told Russ, I said, there's only one thing I need you to do. I need you to watch these three videos by Karen Purvis with me. And that was Happy not anniversary, exactly, yeah. I was say, not romantic exactly anniversary getaway. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I can still remember we went to this beautiful mountain house in Montana. I can remember sitting on this sofa watching these videos and just crying, both of us, you know, like, yeah, okay, okay. She has hope and we're going to hold on to her hope because we were out of hope at that point. You know, yeah. we were so worn and scared. Mm-hmm. And, and so through that, through me starting to write about Karen and her work and the connected child and learning everything, I ended up meeting her and uh, Michael and Amy Monroe at a conference and started writing for Empowered to Connect and then later spoke with them. So that was sort of how I came into it. And then Russ and I both went and got TBRI training and became practitioners in 2011. So quite a long yeah. time ago now. Yeah. But this idea for the book was growing in me. And I approached Karen at breakfast one morning at a hotel. 
And I was so nervous, you know, because she's so <laughs> amazing, you know. And I just told her I had this idea. And I said, well, what do you think? And she said, I think it's a great idea. And I said, so do you want to do it? And she, she said, I think so. Like, and, and so anyhow, that's how it got started. Oh. And um, her assistant at that time was Emily Pickett. And you'll see her mm-hmm. name on the cover of this book, too. And Emily was really the person who kept us organized. So mm-hmm. all the drafts and chapters and things were going back and forth. And yeah, because this is from Texas to Idaho. I mean, yes. it's not like you could go sit and have coffee and right. discuss. We and, had to talk on the phone and, and yeah. send a lot of emails back and forth. And yeah. so that was, we started writing in 2012. And wow. it probably took me at least a year to write the book proposal. I had a whole lot to learn, which is another whole topic about publishing oh books. Oh my gosh. But yeah, we just continued yeah. to work. But through those years, you know, she was diagnosed with cancer. And so we stopped working on her parts for a time, but I continued working. And then we were really in some really hard places with parenting. And so there were times when I couldn't write and she could write. And then, um, you know, people who followed me for a while know that at the end of 2014, we were in a car accident, Russ and I and our daughter, Kalkidan, and we lost our daughter. And at that point, I remember thinking, I don't know that we'll ever finish this. Mm. I didn't know if I'd ever be able to write again. I felt so emotionally and physically broken, you know? Yeah. And somewhere in there, and I can't quite remember the moment, Karen's cancer returned. So Mm. I think that must have been after we started writing again, because I remember reaching out to her and saying, okay, I I need to finish this for my daughter. I need to finish this in honor of her because she is the reason that we learned all of this. She's the reason that we found Karen and we devoted ourselves through ourselves into learning connected parenting. And so Mm -hmm. she said, okay, let's do it. And then of course our cancer came back. And so, but we had the book in a really good, strong space before she passed away. And after we'd waited a little while, I spoke with her family and I said, how do you feel about this book being finished? And they wanted it done. Mm, her, yeah. her three sons, you know, they knew that she wanted it done and they wanted right. it finished. It was her last written work. So they were very much behind the book being completed. And Emily stepped yeah. in just brilliantly and mm. took the parts that were still like drafts. And she just put it all together using all mm. Karen's words, you know, videos and interviews that hadn't ever been aired and things to just put it all together. And she did an amazing job. I'm so thankful. thankful That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Cause I mean, we know that Karen till the very end was working hard for kids. You know, she wanted to make sure, I mean, I've heard stories of just her, you know, when she wasn't feeling well getting dressed and going to fundraisers because she knew that her speaking there would Mm -hmm. make a difference, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I know, that this book was important to her because she worked mm-hmm. on it for many years, well, you know, you guys, are, you guys are sounding really sentimental now, which, 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 which is really <laughs> going to be bad when I say the thing that I wanted to say, because <laughs> the whole, the whole, the whole time you were telling that really moving story, Lisa, oh, yes. I, ca- I kind of got stuck on the anniversary trip where you made Russ watch the videos. <laughs> 
and I wanted to say that this is a little known fact, but but Russ Qualls and I once spent a lovely weekend together at a, at a mountain resort in Colorado. Yes, you did. Yes, you now, did. There were, there were there were like ninety eight other people I was there. Say, it wasn't did just you me make and him, Russ. Did you make him watch Doctor Purvis' video? No. <laughs> I just held him when he cried about that time his wife. <laughs> No, it was funny. It was funny though because we were at the men's retreat in, in Colorado Springs, and um, and I, I, it was a really difficult time for me. I just tried to avoid people the whole time. I was I, no, I was really struggling emotionally, um, you know. But but Dan Coley was there and uh, Andrew Schneidler, and they kind of dragged me out of mm-hmm. my emotional malaise back to reality. But on the the last full day there, they have this. There's breakfast. You got to kind of hike up the side of the mountain, and they make like pancakes the size of car tires <laughs> uh, over there for this, the cowboy breakfast or whatever. And so that's where Dan uh, introduced me to Russ. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we did get to talk a little bit, mostly about our wives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's I don't. Know if, uh, that's uh, good. We're, we're worth like talking. Where, wherever yeah. I go, yeah. like I always like people like, do we have to talk about Kayla again? <laughs> I think one of my memories of that is that I think it was Kelsey Don's birthday. While you yes, guys were there, and yes, her favorite color was orange, and a lot of people wore orange, wore orange yes. for her. For her. I, do, I, I do remember that. No, that yes. actually, yeah, that, that yes, I do remember oh. that. No, yes, and they sent me pictures. A bunch of guys dressed in orange, and it was really special. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is very. Sweet. I love our community. Oh. You know, we adopted parents. Yeah. We got to stick together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, I was I was really upset about something. Uh, and, and, and we had had any, we had actually had a tapestry conference and, and brought somebody in, uh, from Atlanta to speak. And for about 90% of the people, um, this person went over really, really well. And if, and if I said her name, Lisa, I'll tell you afterwards, you probably know, you probably know her. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but it was, it was, it was somewhat controversial for a handful of folks and, mm. and so what we try to do after, after the big events is just kind of do nothing the night of the last day and then do nothing the next day. But we were at Tyler's soccer game and doing warm-ups. And so I, of course, you know, because like most of us, I'm an email addict, <laughs> opened my email. And there was like the seven-paragraph email where I was accused of a whole bunch of really ugly things. Oh, no. And I was really simmering about it. And then I think the next weekend uh, is when we did the retreat. And I was talking to Andrew Schneidler over there, and I said, "Man, I really want to respond." And he said, "No good will come of it." <laughs> um, you know, you know. In Andrew's defense, uh, he's a lawyer, so he, mm-hmm. he considers words very, very carefully. And and he said, "I tell you what, you type your response, send it to me. I'll delete it, and you can feel good about it. But you are not sending that to anybody." <laughs> That's so great. Like, he he, he like, gave yes, me some good advice once. He told me, "You know, Lisa, you'll catch more flies with honey than with vinegar." So you know, he's a wise yeah. guy. There you oh go. Oh my gosh! Now, now we have to have Schneidler on. <laughs> you probably should. You probably should. Yeah, let's have Michelle on though. Yeah, there we go. That's perfect. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to derail, derail us there. Totally. I, I, did, I did forget about about the orange on that Sunday mm-hmm. morning. Yeah. yeah, we still do that. That's very special. That's awesome. That's her awesome. Birthday. Mm-hmm. 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 So it's her birthday. Is that her birthday in September? October? It's in October. October. Late, late okay, October. I knew it was fall sometime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I think it was like the week after Tapestry Conference that year that we went up there. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, back to the book. Okay. Back to the book. Yes. Chris, you got any questions? I I do have one question because I know this is a question that's probably floating around in some people's minds. 
you know, I've read the connected child and I've mm. read, you know, the whole brain child and whatever other many, you know, books we have available to us about connection and understanding our kids, you know, all that kind of stuff. What makes this different than all those? And, you know, wh- wh- why, why should I buy this book if I've, I haven't have read all these other books? Well, you I, know, so you know, someone's <laughs> out there thinking that right now. So. Absolutely. I've actually gotten that question a lot. So I'm glad you asked. Well, first of all, you know, the obvious thing is you've got two voices in this book. You've got this amazing developmental research psychologist and you've got a mom, a mom who, yes, I had a lot of background and stuff, but like I was struggling and learning and experimenting and just doing my very, very best. So you've got two voices. Secondly, I think, you know, The Connected Child was written, I, I keep meaning to check this. Is it, It's either like 2006 or 2008. I can't remember quite what. You can look. Um, so, you know, TBRI and trust-based relational intervention has really developed and mm-hmm. grown and, and changed some since then. So it's more updated from that. I 2007. Think, okay, 2007. Okay. I should remember yeah. that. That's the year my kids came home. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that is a really nice change is the way we presented attachment. We, mm. It's not a change. It's just different. We have a whole chapter just devoted to understanding attachment. And then the next chapter is on understanding ourselves and mm-hmm. our attachment styles. And, you know, it's only one chapter. You, you know, we could write right. books and books about that. Right. But right. I think it's helpful. And it's also very um, compassionate. You know, I think sometimes the message we get as adoptive parents is, well, you know, it's your attachment style that's the problem. Well, that is yeah. not what we need to hear. We need yeah. to hear, hey, let's be curious about ourselves and see how we can understand ourselves and our history and how that is contributing to how we parent our kids. Mm-hmm. So there's that. There's a whole chapter on teens, which is really needed. And yeah. then the last chapter is on really caring for yourself and what that mm-hmm. means. And we go far beyond like typical, like self-care. I think there's, so you don't tell everybody to take a bubble bath. No, no, there's not 20% off a pedicure coupon. Anymore. Yeah, no, it's a little, little different from that, but a little deeper than that, you know, I really just want to encourage parents that this is, it's incredibly hard what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot and we cannot do it alone. We talk about community. We talk about so many things. And I, I just think that's a very important part of the book. So those are probably the main differences, I think. Mm-hmm. And we also end the way the book is structured, I love. And so the first part is on attachment, but then the whole middle section is on all the different skills and tools and there I tried to make the chapter so so clear so that it's really easy to find what you're looking for so I made the chapter titles things like simplify with scripts combat with or combat chronic fear teach respect you know so that a parent can find a chapter really quickly and then at the end of every chapter we have key takeaways so if you're like what was that thing about scripts you can just look at the last page Mm -hmm. and get it That was what I liked when I was looking through it too, Mm -hmm. was that it had that key takeaway. So you could, so if you have read The Connected Child and you're like, I really need a refresher on Mm X, Y, Z, and I want a mom's perspective on this Mm -hmm. as well, then you could pick it up and go to that chapter. Yes. um, If that's what you have time for in that minute, you know, Mm -hmm. you could 
pick up that chapter and you already know what's going to be in it. Right. Um, but I also like the different like learning points, like, you know, do the, try this try it today. with your child. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was like, try this with your child, because that's what I think is important as we talk to parents, you know, we can give them all the information and they're like, and where, where do I start? There's so much information. Where do I start? And you're like, here's one little snippet. Here's one right. little thing. You can try this. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be, you know, this will be what you can do today. And I'm like, I feel like if I read a chapter, if I were to pick up the book and say, I'm going to read a chapter a day and I'm just going to do what that says or a chapter a week and I'm just mm-hmm. going to do that little snippet, you know, it would be a really bite-sized manageable way to say, I can, I can do this. So well, that's what I yes. like. About it. I love the format too. <clears throat> so so, so I, I wrote down a couple of notes while you were speaking, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is. You know, I, I'm so glad that that you're talking about looklets, because let, let me before I finish that sentence, because what I think happens a lot is, um, and I know we did this for a long time, and then obviously you know learned better and have tried to do better, but but what happens is is we bring our kids home, and then we what seems like it's a really great idea is that we become really really focused on the child's healing. And we no longer focus on, on the healing that we have to do. Yes. And, and so, you know, the last, you know, that conversation I mentioned earlier, the last time I spoke to Karen, I said, I said, I I want you to know something. Um, and that is that, that your work and our, and our involvement with it and involvement with the ETC, it has done three things for me. And it's done these three things in this order. Number one, it helped me understand my dad better. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, which in turn gave me a lot of a lot of grace for his for 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 him as a man in his sixties, because I understood the impacts of his childhood, mm-hmm. on 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 and and also understood that nobody really helped him with 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 the impacts of his childhood. Right, and number two, it helped me understand myself more because I am the son of that man, and the third thing it did for me was it helped me be a better parent. Yes. And, and, and to me, that, that, to me, that was the value of, of all of it because now there's generational healing. I get along better with my dad today than I did in the previous 44 years of my life. Kayla gets along better with her mom today than she did when we first met. And that's because it's because we've understood that, that the healing journey is parallel, parallel, right? Sorry for the <laughs> awkward pronunciation there. But it's not just my kids who have to heal. It's me who has to heal. I, I think, and I don't remember, it was either Karen or Henry Nowen or Henry Nowen talking to Karen. I don't know. One of the two <laughs> one of, of those wise people. One of, yes. the two of the, one of the two of them said this. You cannot show a child the path to healing if you don't know the way yourself. The, because of the yes. child, Karen said that, not Henry Nowen. He would have said a person because he worked with adults. Yes. Right? And, I, and we're firm believers in that. So, you know, over, over the years, mm-hmm. Kayla and I have de- developed some stuff here. This year we launched our first, you know, some video resources, but now we've launched our first live class. We actually teach with Zoom. We're running our second session right now. Um, and the first thing that we have people the people do before um, before week one, so there's homework leading into week one, and one of the homework items is to take the ACEs questionnaire, mm-hmm. right? And because because I we need you thinking about your childhood and its impacts if we're actually going to make the progress here that you say you want to make, mm-hmm. and that's and that's and that's big medicine for people sometimes. A lot of times people don't want to do that. And so uh, just super thrilled to hear that, 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 that you're addressing that in the book too. And it's, and it's not just, um, 
And now, as I say that, now the title makes sense to me. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I heard you say it, but when it came out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, the connected parent, yes. Uh, yes. 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 Like, I'm, sometimes I'm focus. just a little slow on the uptake. <laughs> I apologize. Well, I think not only when we begin to understand about trauma and attachment and chronic fear and building trust and all those things, First of all, I wish I'd parented all my children this way. Yeah. You know, yeah. my older crew, we parented is very traditionally and, you know, the way we were taught in the church and, yeah. you know, they, they did fine, but yeah. I wish that I had parented all of them that way. But the truth is, even when you have young adults, you're still parenting. So right. I get to use this with all of my kids and not only that, but don't you feel like it changes how you see all people? It does. Every person now. Well, because you look, you look at behaviors of people and you go, what's behind it? Like, why, why are they behaving in that way? I mean, even the like grocery checker, you know, Mm -hmm. you're thinking, man, I wonder what's going on. I wonder why they're so short with people today or why Mm -hmm. they're so, you know, I do. I feel like everywhere I go, I'm just, it makes me more compassionate for people. Yes. Um, And maybe so even more so, I guess, now that, you know, our oldest has a job. And so I think whenever and he works in fast food. And so whenever we're, you know, whenever we go get fast food, I think, how would I want people to treat my kid knowing, you know, how he might respond or, you know, things he's gone through. And and I think that's everybody's story. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's got a story somewhere behind there. And so, Yeah. yeah, it is it is definitely made the way I interact with people on a regular basis different. Yes. As, as someone who worked in fast food as a teenager and, and then <laughs> continued in the food industry into college, uh, <laughs> I think it's something that, uh, you know, I, I'm loath to, to invoke the government to make people do something, but <laughs> I, I think there'd be a lot more empathy if everyone had to go work in the fast food industry for at least a year. <laughs> I did. I, yeah. I did my uh, part. You did your part. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Do you, agree, is, do you agree with Chris's statement that it is empathy, <laughs> in, in, empathy cultivating? Well, I also worked in a group home for children, so wow. that, oh yeah, which is why That's I thought I was so too. prepared, right? Uh-huh. So my, my son it's comes different home. when they come to your house, though. You know, I mean, that's yeah. what makes do, the difference. We, I mean, yes. Just, I mean, we have six kids living under this roof. I mean, like if we had a seventh kid, Texas would be like, "That's a group home." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Right, uh, right. Well, I will tell. I will tell you this. Um, you know, and, and, and my son knows that I tell this story. I've told it, told it in front of him. And so, and so it's not a secret, but, but when he came home at almost at three years and nine months, uh, we were told that, that he would, would struggle always. And I think the quote was, would never have the, the cognitive ability to ever live on his own. Mm-hmm. And, and I will tell you that, and, and that's right. That was the genesis of our involvement um, with all of this, because up until that point, we were just sort of managing schedules with babies. But now we had a four-year-old who had memories and feelings and, and experiences and connect and think people we don't had no idea who they were. Mm. And that's when we started look, looking for help. And at that, that was right at the time that um, that Empower to Connect was created. And, and, and so we went through that and I think we piloted the first course they had. And, mm. and, and so the, the genesis of all that, and I will tell you that that boy, uh, he's 17 now. And, and I think about this every day mm. and there are many stories, but, but he, he came home last week with a, not a red shirt from the fast food chicken place. He works at <laughs> Chick-fil-A, uh, but, <laughs> but, but the blue and white, the, the, the one with the fine blue and white band hoops around it, because 
that's his managerial shirt. Mm-hmm. And he's been, they put him in the manager track. Uh, he, he run, he runs, uh, services at, at, at the thing there. And then he explains to us about working in fast food. And I'm like, I'm a reasonably intelligent person, but I would get fired yeah. from Chick-fil-A <laughs> like night one. There's just so many moving parts. Yeah. And, 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 and for, and so when people say to me, do you believe that this stuff actually works? Mm-hmm. Uh, we get that question so much that the one time we were speaking and that at Q and A at the end and somebody said, do you believe, I mean, we've listened to you for three hours. Do you believe it works? And I said, no, I don't. And there was like a, (gasps) in the room. And I said, I don't have to believe it works because I know it does. Mm -hmm. The evidence lives underneath my room, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, all of the diagnoses and and predictions for my children were very, very much more bleak than the reality in which we live in today. And that's because we, a long time ago, it's funny, it never used to be a long time ago, but it's more than Mm -hmm. 10 years now. So it feels like a long time ago really made the decision that we were all in on this mm-hmm. and we were going to do this. And now after a decade plus of doing that, we actually see um, that, that the things that, that, that Karen first talks about all those years ago, because li- like you, you know, the Monroe's asked us to read The Connected Child. And I'm like, nah, that just sounds real sort of hug <laughs> it out to me. And I think that's a lot of dad's <laughs> responses hug it out. initially. But, but uh. then we went to, then to, went to the first tapestry conference and, and she spoke and I remember, I'll, I don't remember much of what she said, but I will remember this last one. It's the one where her hair was really long and she had a cane for some reason. I don't know if that's the one of the videos oh. you guys watched. Is it, but, I, I would love been. to guess. Is it the one where she <laughs> talked about what do you have in your hand? Uh, I don't, no? I don't okay. remember. Okay. But what I do, what I do remember is, is some version of this and I'm probably butchering the quote because as I've learned, memories are not Polaroids. They're stories you tell yourself, your brain tells you. <laughs> but this is my memory of, of the event. She said, there's nothing special about what we do. We just remember the way our grandmothers treated us mm-hmm. and we're trying to do it like that. There's something mm-hmm. similar to that in the book, actually. Yeah. I, rem- I yeah. was reading it and, and I was the, like, this is the story Ryan tells a lot about remembering she that. She hooked me with that because yeah. I thought about my grandmother, who was the sweetest kindest person I have ever known. We talk so much about her in the family that when Kayla and I went to South Africa about what, 10, 12 years ago now, yeah. uh, we wouldn't put flowers on my grandmother's grave. And, and I, and, and I hear Kayla crying next to me mm. and I, and I looked at her and because I, I was just married two years. I didn't know how to be a husband. I was just, I was just basically a moron with a wife. Okay. Instead of being kind to her, I said, why are you crying? You didn't know her. I know. Yeah. Everybody's judging me right now. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, uh, Kayla looked at me, she kind of gathered herself and she said, yeah, I know, but, but you guys always speak so highly about her Mm. that standing here by her grave, I'm just sad that I never knew her. Mm-hmm. And I and I, th- and I think cry on Facebook Live. That's <laughs> not very nice. <laughs> and, and 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 I think that that's 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 the legacy that you're keeping alive is mm-hmm. is that there are there are people yeah. who read Karen's work and are sad because they wish they got a chance to know her. Yes. So so um so in that regard, um, I, I suppose uh, the only words I have is that is that we're grateful yeah. for this book, Lisa. Um, we hope that this is the, the, the jumping off point, the starting point of many more books for you, mm-hmm. Thank uh, you. And, and for sharing your wisdom with the world. Now, I did text you. I don't know if your phone's proximate or not, Lisa. <laughs> it's not. I gave it to my daughter in case my boys texted while I was okay. doing this. <laughs> well, I mean, I could ask you the question live on Facebook if you want to. <laughs> Whatever it is, go for it. 
Look at my light thing is doing something weird on my. (laughs) How do you feel about us saying, "Hey, folks, why don't you post some questions in the uh, in the in the comments, (laughs) and we'll and we'll lob some Q and A live at Lisa." What do you think about that? Kim. Okay. I mean, if I don't know the answer, I will tell you I don't know the answer. There you go. Perfect. All right. You want me to uh, well, go? Hold on. And then you must also say, but Kayla will find it for you. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. If I that's don't know what, the answer, Kayla will. Yeah. I was going to say, that's what Ryan does in Q&A. We'll do Q&A places and he'll be like, huh, I'm not sure. Honey, why don't you take this one? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, now. She is so oh, good. So she funny. is so good under pressure. Oh, my I'm, goodness. I'm just, I'm just honing her skills. That's so all I'm doing. I'm looking so at the comments you. just to see if we may, I, you know. I haven't seen any questions really so far. Okay. I, I figure I that while we. For some reason, we, I can't see them all. So. I know. Well, well, we give them a chance to maybe th- th- throw a question in there. Yep. Um, I understand, Lisa, there's an audio book version. <sighs> Yes, yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Well, in case I forget to say this, it's coming out August 1st, is what I have heard from the audiobook company. And okay, I'm sorry for the people watching Facebook Live. This white balance thing on my computer is making my face yellow. But anyhow, I (laughs) I keep trying to move to try to make it change, but whatever. I hope they cut that out of the podcast. Um, <laughs> so the audiobook, yes. When I first learned that there would be an audiobook, I asked, is there any chance I could read it? And I was told, no, we really don't do that unless the author's famous, you know, but otherwise we don't do that. And then. Which is funny because a lot of famous authors don't read their books. Yeah. Well, right. Like, like all the big names that you typically think of when you think of bestsellers, none of those authors read their own books. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I really wanted to, but I understood it wasn't really a possibility. And then they came back to me and they said, actually, we do want you to read it. And I didn't know if it would happen because of COVID. We had to postpone a couple of times, but I went to San Diego, Russ and I went and I got to record the book. And, you know, first of all, I'm so thankful I could tell my family stories myself. Mm, It really was a blessing to me, but, um, it was really sweet. The director of my book, I mean, it's kind of hard to picture, but I'm in this glassed in thing with my headset and everything with the book manuscript in front of me and she's outside and she's the director. And every time I take a breath, she marks it on this computer screen because I have to take out every breath and all this stuff. And every time I made a mistake and had to say a word again, try to say vulnerable too many times. It's (laughs) tricky, Um, (laughs) but she was an adoptive mom. And so like, we just had this incredible connection. So I was almost like reading the book to her and it was beautiful. Mm. And there were a few times that I got pretty choked up and we had to pause, you know, I just couldn't talk either talking about my daughter Calcidon or just talking about, you know, that this is hard work and I know how Mm. hard people are working. And so, um, it was a beautiful experience. I'm so thankful I got to do it, but yeah. That's so fun. I'm very excited for that to come out. Well, Lisa, here's a question. Um, two questions from, from, from (laughs) Veronica. Oh, we know Veronica. Um, and so Veronica has two questions. I'll ask you both. And I know, and I know, and I know the answer to one, but I'd love for you to share the good news on that one. So her first okay. question is, uh, wondering if you can talk a little bit more about the teen section. And then the second question, which is going to be the super easy one to answer is, will there be a workbook? There is going to be a study guide and it will, from everything I understand, it's going to be free 
to people who purchase the book. It can be used by groups. It can be used by individuals. You know, we intentionally, like The Connected Child, we did not make this a faith-based book because we're really hoping it will be used for foster parent training and educators and things all over the world, really, but our country in particular. And so um, this, I'm hoping, will be used... for training and that study guide will really make it easier for the people facilitating the training to have it already completed. And it is nearly done, I believe. I don't know exactly what date it's going to be available, but it will be available, I believe, on my website, onethankfulmom.com. Awesome. That's yeah. so cool. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, okay, the teen section. Whoa, I should have reviewed it. You would think I would know every word in this, but, you know, let's let's remember I started writing in 2012. But I'm really thankful in a way that I had the opportunity to read it so carefully, word for word, yeah. when we were recording it. Oh, yeah. I think the the main important things to me about the teen part are, first of all, that Connected parenting and trust-based parenting works for teens, but it has to be adapted, you know, to, to respect their maturity. You know, we don't want to use childish phrases and scripts with them. We want to acknowledge that they're growing up and, and use appropriate language. I, we talk about um, kids who come to our families older and that that's complicated and different and what they bring. And one of the things that I, do talk about is that, you know, we have a goal of secure attachment, but when you bring a teenager into your family or an older child, it's going to look different. It's not going to look the same way it does when you bring a baby into your family. And if you have a child who struggled with attachment through the years, the teen years, it's, it's just going to be different. And that doesn't mean it's bad, you know, Mm -hmm. that we have to, Remember that our kids are doing the best they can and we're doing the best we can. And sometimes that's enough. And I think one of the things I want us to do when we're parenting teens is say, well, even if it doesn't feel exactly the way I hoped it would feel or even look the way I hoped it would feel, look, I am preparing my child for a better future and a better life as an adult and to be a better parent themselves because we're investing in them for that future. So I think that's one of the things that stands out to me from the teen Mm -hmm. portion. I love that there's a specific portion for teens because that is, that's something that it's a question that we've gotten for years, you know, Mm -hmm. I think, I think, you know, I was thinking while Lisa was answering that. So, so Lisa, over the years, Kayla has done, uh, her her and a couple of other folks have, have worked with, with teens and, and, and and, I mean, there were, there were some tough stories, uh, Mm -hmm. in, in that group. And, And so you're right. I mean, the principles apply like, like I've often told people that, that I that one day when I can carve out the time to do it, I'm starting a management consulting firm, and it's all to be based on trust based parenting. <laughs> yeah, because, because it's just all about relationships. Because yeah. people still respond. Yeah. You just have, people say, "Well, how?" Do, you know, one of the questions we get is, "Well, understand how that works with nine year olds. How does it work with two year olds? You know, toddlers. Mm-hmm. How does it work with?" And basically, what if you talk long enough, most people are saying. I, I accept that it works with other people's kids, but well, how's it going to work with my kids? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what we often get, get, get like, like age specific questions. But, but I will tell you this, that if you, um, we tell people all the time, creativity is your friend, right? 
uh, being rigid is not going to be your friend because That's being right. Rig- right. I mean, you have to creative, and it's not just being creative in the moment, but creatively applying these things to different ages and stages. And yeah. I'll never forget uh, one of the one of the teens with a really really tough story. Um, his his dad spoke to me one Sunday night. We we were at an event. His dad came up to me. He said, "Hey, I want you to know we're ado- we're adopting our son on Tuesday." And I said, oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. He said, yeah, I'm not telling you that because I just want you to know. I'm telling you because we would never have ever gotten there if Mm. it wasn't for him being part of that teen group. Mm. And it was just all the same principles that are just being applied because you have to know what works, right? You Mm -hmm. cannot just, I mean, like hands and eyes to a 17 year old (laughs) is not helpful. It's annoying. That's right. That's (laughs) right. Yes. That's right. Well, actually, let me, let me share a really short story. And I hadn't thought about this in preparation, so I'll be slightly cautious, but you know, one of our daughters is 20 and is living on her own, making a lot of her decisions. She's extremely independent and hardworking. And we got a call from her and she had appendicitis Mm. and she had to have an appendectomy in a totally different state. Mm. And trust has been very hard for her, you know, accepting nurture, trusting us, even though she's been in our family since she was about 10. And we ended up with this beautiful opportunity. Mm. I felt like God just placed it in our laps to love her and nurture her and care Mm. for her. We flew her home the day after her surgery, which I know you probably shouldn't do that, but she needed a place to come and rest and be safe and be cared for. And it was, it was really beautiful and very, Mm. very healing. So, you know, at 20 years old, I'm using all my trust-based parenting skills with her, you know, absolutely to to continue building trust because it's a lifelong thing for our kids who've had a lot of trauma and suffering and did not have Mm. parents for many, many years. I think it's a lifelong journey. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, I yep. love that. Just just we, before you, sorry, Chris, before you say that, I just want to alert everybody, we've officially been at this for one hour. <laughs> so, I, so I don't know how long you can stay, Lisa, uh, or not, but we are uh, at, at the end of what we asked for. <laughs> well, I'm fine. I know it's a lot later for you than it is for me, though. That's kind of, we don't we don't go to bed till about one. Like yeah. Chris will come over and record the podcast and leave here at like one thirty in the morning. Oh my goodness! Okay, yeah, I we're, get we're up super night. early. <laughs> yeah, we're more late people than we are early people. Yes. So. Okay, but I think okay. we had a couple more questions. Well, Chris is about to say something, we, and, we and I cut him off. Okay. Sorry, Chris. Before I jump uh, to the next question, one thing that Ryan was saying there about uh, you know being creative, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of parents feel like. They don't know how to do that mm-hmm. necessarily. Uh, they feel like I'm not a creative person right. because they think that Trying creative means things. artsy, yeah. you know, yes. right? but really creative is, is adaptable. And I th- yes. the thing that I think, well, I, the thing I know I forget about as a, as a parent, so I, I know I'm not the only one is we forget to do the detective work mm-hmm. on our kids, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, when they come into our home, it, it it's something that is easy to, to do when they first come into the home. But like you were just saying, Lisa, it's something you have to continue to do as as they remain in your home and as part of your family, because that's how you're going to get that creativity. That's how you're going to adapt. You have to, you know, dig, you know, peel the onion. Yeah. Yeah. Heard it called before. You know, by the time our daughter was with us for a week and when I was driving her, it was about an hour and a half drive to the airport when she left and we had, 
the most important conversation mm. maybe I've ever had with her. Wow. And mm. it was because we'd had a week to lay the foundation for it. Yep. Yeah. Mm. So oh, I love that. So I love I'm, that. I'm so thankful. I can't even, mm. I'm just like, God, you amaze me. You just totally, yeah. totally amazed me that you gave us that opportunity. Just that little, that little moment out of nowhere in the midst yeah. of crazy that we've got going well, on in our world. Well, it's, you know? like, right? it's like, it's like our 17 year old son, uh, when, you know, most nights he works the closing shift. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is, you know, they got to shut it down. They got to clean it obviously. And, and, and so he gets home typically between 11 and midnight, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. mo- most nights, um, of the week. And then he'll come in there. And so we will be, you know, we'll, we'll be brain fried by that time. So, for the most part, we've shut the laptops and we're maybe just watching an episode or something before we go to bed. Then he'll come in and he'll sit down and he'll just tell us about his day. And, uh, and some days I'm like, I'm just really tired. Do we have to like, you know, have every detail (laughs) of, of, of of teenage drama? And, and, Uh and and I don't say that to him. I said that to Kayla and, and she put gently put her hand in my hand and said, Hey, I'm just thankful that my teenage son wants to talk to me about his day. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you, you're not going to ruin that for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, yes, ma'am. It's true. It's true. Oh, it's my. a gift. It is it a is. gift. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. And we don't want to take that for granted for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So Brenda wants to know, how do I get my kiddos to do chores? Oh, boy. What a great question, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. Well, I mean, oops, sorry. Uh, you know, there's always a structure. We have to good have a very clear system that they understand, of course. But <laughs> I do a lot of when then. So when this is done, then you can do that. Because mm-hmm. I, I want them to know I have complete confidence that they are capable of yeah. doing what I'm asking them to do. So it's not if. It's not if you do this, then you can do that. It's when, because I know you can. Mm-hmm. And I believe you will. You know, so uh, that's probably one little thing. Um, I would also be very sure that you are not asking for chores that are too, too many steps if their brains can't quite handle that and that they need to be done at optimal times. Like make sure your child has eaten before you do chores, you know, make sure, you know, think about all the body and the brain and all of that, take all that into consideration. We also do some things just as a family, like dinner cleanup. It's just nobody's done till everybody's done. We just stick it out together. But you do have to set the bar low enough for them to get over it. Right. I mean, we can't expect them to clean the way we would. Right. So I don't know. Those are just a few little things that come to mind. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I'm oh. sorry. I, I was just going to say this. Um, keep, keep, the, keep this, them, give them simple instructions. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, and this is why I, I, I don't, I don't, I think that every book that's written about the brain, uh, particularly in a level that, that those of us who don't have all the letters in front of and after our names <laughs> can understand, um, you know, when, when you start learning about sort of the prefrontal cortex and executive function and you realize and you learn that initiation is, is one of the eight executive functions of the human mind, which means that if that part of the brain, which, which means it's why children always struggle with that part, right? And then kids with trauma, with, with trauma histories and how their brains, uh, you know, have atypical wiring and all of those things. And you're realizing that part of their brain's not being readily accessible. It's not because your kid is lazy. And we right. sometimes think it's because your child is lazy. The truth of the matter is, 
is, is that they are just, it's, it's like literally not occurring to them because mm-hmm. that part of their brains are working, right? And so at our house, it's like, okay, well, I need you to do that, okay? And then we remind and then we kind of will talk through it or whatever because mm-hmm. if we're going to think, because we used to do the go to your room, pick up your laundry, make your bed and pick up your toys, and brush and, your teeth while you're at it, right? Yeah. And then we get, yeah. upst- and, get upstairs. And then lob an extra instruction that you forgot to give him. Yeah, while right. he's walking up, And he get upstairs. He's just sitting on his bed. I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? And he said, you told me to go to my room. Uh-huh. Well, because that's because the first because the first thing. So so with some with with our son who struggles with that, we'll give him your step one when you complete step one. Your step two. And so mm-hmm. for us, what we've learned is it requires a greater d- deal of parental involvement and it requires more work, which is oftentimes, you know, for us, our experience and families we've worked with, it's the extra mile that you have to do to make connected parenting work. Yeah. Yep. That oftentimes we don't, we, we don't want to do. And there's a myriad of reasons why we don't want to or we can't even. But like you said, hey, we clean the kitchen together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. M- m- mom cleans the kitchen ar- alongside the rest of the, the gang. And dad too. Yeah. 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 That, that was one of the things that we had to early on was like, we figured out that you can't look at those, you know, they have all those charts of what should a six year old oh. be able to do and what should a 12 year old that mm-hmm. those don't work for our kids. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they just, unless you're looking at developmental age and then it might work for you. But if you're mm-hmm. looking at just age, you're going to be severely frustrated if you are trying to get your 12 year old who's emotionally a six year old to do things that 12 year olds do, you know, and it's just not going to, it's not going to work. And so I, yeah, setting the bar um, appropriately for what they can do is going to be the first level of not getting so frustrated because that, gosh, I mean, when we were not doing that, it was so frustrating because it's like, you should be able to look at my little chart. I, I printed this nice little chart off Pinterest (laughs) and it tells me that a six-year-old or an eight-year-old can do X, Y, and Z and you're not doing it. So, Well, um, I I just want to remind everybody that this is called the Empowered Parent Podcast (laughs) and my children have been appearing just to my left off screen over here. So um, we're either going to have to tie a bow on this. It is is after 11 o'clock. It's it's Friday on the East Coast already. Yes, And I I, I know that there are more questions I know that there are more questions, uh, but those questions are are in there. And 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 if you know, Lisa, you can jump into, into the Facebook page and reply, or Kayla and I can reply. Chris can reply. Those are all questions I think we can speak to. But 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 Chris, I you we either have to tie a bow in this amigo, or I got yeah. oh I've got to excuse myself because <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, I'm writing notes on business cards and holding them out here. To the <laughs> I was like some say, point we have to parent. Uh, I was going to say, yes. I think if anybody was watching the video very closely, you could see a kid just scooching down behind yes. Ryan yes. on the stairs. Well, I'm trying to figure out where my kids are because the whole kitchen's dark. I think they, when I said, do not interrupt me, they took it to heart. So, okay. There you go. Although I, hear, right. I think I hear somebody out there. Now, now they're like, oh, wait, yeah. mom's talking about us. Maybe we yeah. can come Maybe in Maybe we now. can come in the kitchen now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Well, that is too funny. Well, and I think we should remind people that are in the, uh, that are in the Facebook live too. don't forget to tag somebody because we are going to be giving away. So if you joined us late, we're going to give away uh, a copy of the connected parent to you and to the person that you tag, we're going to pick somebody. So if you tag somebody, then you and the person you tagged, will get a 
um, copy if, we're, if your name's chosen. So don't forget to put that in there. We will cut that off at the end of the night tonight. So, Okay. Well, Excellent. Um, we also, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, enough said. Lisa, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on with us. It was great to visit with you again. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It was really special to be with you. I know that you share my love for Karen and passion for connected parenting. It's really special to get to do this. Yeah. I'm so glad you could come join us. And I, I can't wait to get re- through the rest of the book. Um, well, good. I've really been enjoying it. So. Good. Thank you. Well, I hope I get to see you all in person sometime before too long. Seriously. Amen, sister. We need to end up in the same place at the same time. That's right. One of these days we will yep. end up when we're allowed to go to places with more than like 10 people again. Yes. So. Yes. That would be wonderful. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, thanks, right. Lisa. And uh, for anyone who didn't get a question in on the Facebook uh, live stream, uh, you can always email them to us uh, at info at onebighappyhome.com. We've got our Facebook group just for podcast listeners. But we're restricting that now, are we not? We are for Patreon subscribers. And how do they, how do they uh, subscribe on Patreon? So uh, Kayla, what is the address? You can go to patreon.com slash empowered parents and you can find out for as little as like $5. You can help us just keep this going because it does take a lot to, to keep a podcast going. And so we, you know, we have perks. We had a live Q and a um, in June. That was a lot of fun um, for Patreon subscribers, which is fun. They could just ask us their questions. We talked, I don't know, we talked for like two hours. I mean, it was, yeah. it was longer than we thought it would be, but it was a lot of fun. And, and it was good to just get to talk to some listeners. Um, but we also have other things. We put some videos and extra resources. You get discounts for classes and courses that we're offering and different things. So um, yeah, go to patreon.com slash empowered parent um, to get subscribed and we'll also be giving away one of the books to just to a patreon subscriber so right now um that list is very short so what Mm -hmm. i think we were going to do like until the launch of the book um so if you if you subscribe by uh june july July we're in july now (laughs) if you subscribe by july 7th um as a patreon subscriber you'll be we're going to draw um a name from there to get a free copy of the book too so all right thanks kayla yeah you can subscribe to our podcast if you're you know watching us on facebook right now as opposed to listening to it normally and you don't normally (laughs) subscribe to the podcast you can find us in itunes uh the google play store and on spotify i guess it's not they don't call it itunes anymore apple has split it out it's now apple Apple podcast podcast now Mm -hmm. okay um but just search for the empowered parent podcast and we should be the first result that pops up <laughs> uh, for any of those. And if you've got enjoyed and gotten value from the show, we would appreciate a review in any of these locations. The Empowered Parent Podcast is committed to helping parents of foster and adopted kids through connecting, correcting, and empowering principles. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. Even though the podcast is on summer break for July, we are still meeting at least weekly in the village, and we'd love to have you join us. To find out more information, visit theadoptionconnection.com slash village. As a valued podcast listener, we'd like to offer you half off of your first month. Just use the code podcast when you check out. 
Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. Our new Instagram handle is at postadoptionresources. Or better yet, join our free Facebook community at theadoptionconnection.com slash Facebook. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. And remember, you're a good parent doing good work. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.